Greetings, my friends. Welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with my next guest, Kelly Beveridge. Now, Kelly is a global entrepreneur. In fact, she's joining me from Johannesburg, if I remember correctly, South Africa by phone today. We're bouncing some signals off satellites and making this thing work for you guys. And I know she's going to bring the heat and and provide a lot of great nuggets for you guys today. So, Kelly, thank you for staying up late and jumping on the call. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be on the call. I've been uh, following your podcast and just looking at what you've been up to and really inspired by everything you're creating. So it's an honor to be asked to be on here today. Oh, thank you so much. I've, I've actually known Kelly uh, for, I guess, sort of out on the on the outskirts of different circles of friends for a few years now, because Kelly uh, was a big part of a personal development circle that I was a member of for many, many years. And so I'm excited to get to know more about you because I only know you from that one world. And so I think today I'd be very interesting if we could start and, and get a little bit of a snapshot of young Kelly's life and what formed the Kelly that we, that we know and love today. So take us back to, you know, growing up for you, what was it like? You grew up in Calgary, yeah? Yeah, and so so I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and currently living right now in Johannesburg, South Africa. So there's definitely a story in between how I went from point A to point B. Yeah, you know, being where you and I met in the personal development realm, maybe I'll just chat about how I ended up getting involved in personal development. And that was about 10 years ago. In 2007, I started taking some personal development courses. Yet um, before that, growing up in Calgary, um, I, I grew up in a family with an older brother and my and my mom and dad. And, you know, we lived a really great life. I, I got to travel. I I most of the I, I was that family that, you know, if we wanted to do something, we were able to do it. Yet, um, like a lot of families out there, I'm sure everything looked great on the outside. Yet on the inside, there was um, adversity happening. And my brother, as much as I loved him, who was always my hero, ended up going down the wrong path with friends and, and got into to the area of drugs. And so I grew up with a brother most of my life who was addicted to drugs. And I really struggled with that. And, you know, I, I'm sharing that today because, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before and I, I almost had an aha even through our conversation that that's really shaped a lot of the direction that I've gone in mm-hmm. in my life because I was the one who just always wanted to keep the peace because, you know, with that dynamic in the family, it did cause friction with my, my parents. And, you know, my mom being the rescuer and always wanting to help her children and the father struggling with the identity of a son who just, you know, couldn't get his act together. Um, I just I was the girl who always just kept the peace. So I just did great in school. I was the top athlete. You know, I just didn't rock the boat. I just I I had this needing to be perfect complex and just really put my head down and kept to myself. And I think through that, I, d- I developed a low self-worth and not really knowing who I was, even though outwardly, you know, I looked like I really, I really had it together. So was it that you just didn't want to add to the, the stress and strain that your family was experiencing? So you sort of, you know, withdrew into being the good, the good child kind of a thing or what? Absol- absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and that, that really was the earlier part of that, you know, that family dynamic, but you know, as, as life went on and I got into my university years. And so I took international business at school because I, I, my parents told me I had to go to university and I was like, okay, what am I going to take? And, you know, I loved travel. I grew up traveling. And, and so I took international business at school, which it's kind of ironic that all these years later, that that's actually what I'm doing. Um, so that's really cool. But um, I, uh, throughout school, I actually ended up, you know, partying quite a bit. And that was kind of my outlet. Once I got out of the family's, you know, rule, I, I ended up going down that path too and partying and just getting myself into, you know, that, that scene that, you know, throughout the years I started to do things that really impacted my self-worth and that I wasn't proud of or I had guilt and shame around. And and that's really what caused me, I believe, to start to do some soul searching and and which led me to the personal development um, not realm, I guess, for lack of better words. Yeah, for sure. I, I know you as like this super bubbly, high energy person who always has a smile on her face. And so when I when I bring that version of you to mind and I contrast that with, you know, what you were saying earlier about maybe not having the highest self-esteem and those sort of things, 
I'm wondering how you reconcile the two, because for me personally, when I see someone who's really outgoing and, you know, just seems happy all the time, to me, it seems like you have to have self-worth and self-esteem to be that person. Is that not your experience? Uh, you know, and that's such a good question because I, I really have always been that person, even before I took a lot of personal development. Yet, you know, I think sometimes it's it's that cliched, you know, uh, you know, we wear masks, you know, that conversation of like, what's the mask you're wearing? And, you know, my true authentic self is a fun, happy, outgoing person. You know, I love to be around people. I love relationships. I love caring about other people, giving to other people. Yet, Um, you know, deep down, I wasn't really living, you know, my best life. I wasn't following my dreams. I was living other people's values. Um, I was doing what I became a people pleaser through that process, right? Mm -hmm. And that lifestyle. And so I just would do everything that my parents wanted me to do. I did what made them happy. I did what made my brother happy. I did what made my friends happy. And I was that friend that just did everything for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really where Um, I started to realize, oh my gosh, like I'm not even tapped into who I am, what I want to be doing, you know, my values. And I didn't even know what those were. So, you know, 10, a little bit over 10 years ago, if you would ask me, Kelly, like, what do you want to do with your life? You know, what really matters to you? What are your passions? I would not be able to answer that. Mm. So um, I'm assuming that at this point in your life, you've defined those. I have, (laughs) you know, and I think that's the, 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 the beauty of life is we go through different chapters, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, that's just kind of to set the pace. Like, it's not like I wasn't a happy child or I didn't have a happy, you know, childhood. I, I really did. But there's there's that piece that I think, you know, sometimes a lot of times people don't talk about or they don't share or they don't, you know, people don't see. And it's like these two lifestyles almost going on conflicting. And so when I ended up taking all that personal development, I really realized that, oh my gosh, like my self-worth is really low and I don't even know what I want to do. And I stuffed all these goals and dreams down and um, I I really ended up doing a lot of work. And, you know, I spent about the same amount on uh, personal development as I did going (laughs) through university. And it was the best thing that I, (laughs) I know you're giggling because you probably can relate. Yes, I can. Um, yeah, you know what? It's like it was the best thing that I ever did because I really started to discover who I was. And, you know, everything's in hindsight. Yet I believe that that personal development was the launching pad for me to be living the life that I am now. And it put me in a completely different direction. You know, I grew in my confidence in in who I was as a person. I grew in my leadership. I got clear around what I wanted, you know, and, and uh, really started to dive into this whole concept of personal development that was foreign to me previously. Mm. So, um, you know, a lot of people, when they hear the word personal development, you know, they um, sort of recoil, you know, it's like, the, it's like other people are broken and other people might need to do this thing. But, you know, I'm over here and I can read a book and I'll be fine. And, you know, you mentioned doing the work and doing a lot of work. And so I'm just curious, you know, in your mind and in your experience, what does doing the work look like for you? Well, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's so true, right? Because really in theory, you know, nothing really gets learned that much, right? And I just really believe in experience. And so for me, doing the work is 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 a lot of things. So I, I have a belief that skill comes through repetition and mastery of skill is really where you gain confidence and you know, taking steps towards what you want. And um, so step number one for me doing the work is before I even take a step towards something, I need to know what I want, you know, and I know a lot of times in my life where I felt stuck in the past, it's because I didn't have clear direction. And I I believe that if you're clear on where you're going and by when and why, um, it allows us to start to take steps and start to build on those steps. And so for me, number one is, is gaining clarity around what do I want and making a decision, you know, making a decision um, that that's what I want, attaching some emotion to it around why I want it, and and then starting to do the work, which would look like just taking steps. You know, in in most everything that I've done, I've never known how I'm going to do it before I start. (laughs) I just get clear on what I want and what really matters to me, you know, aligned with my values, my vision, the things that I desire. And and then it's, it's, it's taken steps. And for me, personal development, it's, it is a cliched thing, right? Yet it's really for me about mindset. And so if I have a mindset that's going to serve me where I have a level of awareness around what am I doing in my life that's working and where can I improve? And I ask myself those questions every single day from a place of being neutral with myself. Um, that's how I'm going to grow. 
And I, I work on that every single day. I work on me every single day so that I can get to where I want to be faster. Mm-hmm. When you say being neutral with self, what do you mean by that? Well, because, I, you know, I, there's, I think that <laughs> a lot of times, well, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, it's like, you know, there's that fear of failure, fear of success, all of those self-doubts, all of the, you know, can, can I do this? Am I capable? And, and for myself, as I'm going towards what I want, if I don't quite reach what I want or I don't get there in time or it doesn't look the way that I think it can go to, you know, self beat up starts to happen mm-hmm. and that proverbial hammer comes out and I start to have those limiting conversations with myself that I'm not good enough. Maybe I can't do this. What was I thinking? Am I deserving of this? You know, and all of those conversations in my head that don't serve me. Mm-hmm. And, and I like to think of it in two paradigms. And one is that, you know, I'm oper- either operating in fear or I'm operating from love. And for me, you know, fear is false expectations appearing real. So creating situations or circumstances or a mindset that doesn't serve us around things that literally are not even real. But how I know if I'm operating from fear is if I'm coming from a victim mindset, you know, blaming other people. Um, Maybe it's that I don't have my results and I'm blaming other people or I'm blaming a situation or a circumstance, um, you know, or I'm not taking ownership. You know, persecution is also blame and then rescuing people. Um, You know, going back to the situation with my brother, I mean, we spent our whole life rescuing him in this paradigm of fear and then going to victim mode and then persecution and just hanging out in that relationship, you know, in that paradigm. And I know that for myself and for a lot of people, we can do that within ourselves all day long, you know, and so it's like flipping the script to coming from love, which is something I'm really working on a lot right now, which is I choose the whole of my reality, I'm responsible. I've done the best I've known how up until now. The past is perfect and that I get to create a story that serves me. And so no matter what's going on in my life, the ability to always take a look at it from a perspective of what's the benefit of this, you know, and how does this serve me and what's the positive outcome that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Powerful stuff. You said something that was really key um, in that. And you said that uh, realizing that the past is perfect And, you know, there's going to be a lot of Mm -hmm. people listening to this who, you know, are going to take a look at their past and say, well, you know, that's total bullshit. Like my past is anything but perfect. So I'm wondering if you can elaborate on what you mean by that. Yeah, for sure. It's something that I like to like to talk about. It's called the game of three rules. And I was taught this where it's like if we operate from this perspective, it will help us. And going back to your question of when, how do we neutralize something, right? And so, I mean, something has energy within us or for us if we give it energy. And so the game of three rules is just a really great um, way to take a look at our life so that we can move towards the things that we desire. And so the first one is, is, and the keyword is I choose, right? Because to your point, a lot of people are going to struggle with that. So it's I choose to believe that the past is perfect. And the, the, the truth is we can't change the past. And the truth also is there's a lot of things that have happened in each of our past that can be very traumatic and that weren't in our control, yet we cannot change it. And so if we look at what's happened to each of us in the past in hindsight, and we can literally neutralize the past by making a list, and, I, and this is, I've done this, like I've made a list of things that have happened in the past, and I've made lists of hundreds of benefits of it. And in the beginning, it's not easy because you I wanted to be stuck on being right about that. It wasn't a good thing or it was a shitty thing that happened or whatever it was in the past, right? right. Yet, so so taking control of the past by, by looking at the benefits of whatever has happened in the past allows us to create a story that serves us. Mm. And so that's what I mean by choosing that to believe that the past is perfect because, mm-hmm. you know, I believe that everything happens for a reason and life, life is life, life is, you know, on purpose. And so that's a way for us to get our power back and to take, take our power back from the past, you know, creating a story that serves us with what, what are the benefits? Absolutely. So that, that would be number one of the game of three year olds. Number two is I choose to believe that I did the best I knew how with the tools I had. Mm. And so, I mean, up until any point in our life, like, of course, we're, we're doing the best we, we're, we know how. And it's like we're all equipped with a certain amount of tools at different stages in our life. So just choosing to do that, we've done the, we've done the best we've, we've known how. 
And then the third one is being 100% responsible. So taking full ownership, good, bad, indifferent for the results that I have um, because I'm the common denominator of my results. <laughs> and so um, that just allows me to you know, approach my life just from a space of that neutrality. And then also, too, when other people maybe in my life aren't showing up the way I want them to, it allows me to have some compassion for them if I operate from that game of three rules. Mm, that's beautiful. And well said. Thank you for sharing that. That's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you were yeah. talking about uh, listing the benefits of some of the negativity, right, or some of the negative experiences that people may have experienced in the past, um, can you give me like a concrete example if like we travel back and we look at your experience coming up in your family and dealing with your brother's situation, you know, what would be an example of some of the benefits of, you know, the person that you created back then? Yeah, well, I mean, and so if I was, and that's a great question, right? Because, so let's say I take this, because I'm sure a lot of people can relate to having a family member who struggles with addiction, right? It's like, what the heck are the benefits in that, right? right. And it's like, so I take a look at my brother who I love dearly, um, you know, and I'm like, hey, well, what are the benefits of that? And it's like, well, for me personally, it's put me on a complete trajectory. So I literally, I excelled in school. I played sports to keep myself out of trouble. So I met so many friends through that. Um, because of that, I developed a certain level of team play, team atmosphere, a value of team. And then I went into university um, because, like I said, my parents made me, but it was because they wanted to keep <laughs> me out of trouble based on what was going on with my brother. Right. right? So I took that path. I took international business. Um, and from there, I ended up going into the service industry and doing a bunch of different things. But it's where I met some other people who said, hey, you've got to do this personal development course. Um, and so I took this personal development course. And then that's where I discovered my passion for giving back and wanting to be of service and wanting to help people because I had this major desire to be able to help myself and to not live in this environment that I was, you know, raised in. And I mean, I, and I, I don't mean it in a bad way because I, there is so many blessings of my childhood, but, you know, dealing with a family member with addiction, it, it causes a lot of friction in the family. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I look at just the trajectory I've been on, like it's been because of that, like I may not have done all of those things. I may not have, you know, cared so much about being good at school and, you know, excelling at sports and going to university and taking personal development and finding a passion to make a difference in people's lives, you know, and, and my, my biggest come from is that I want to be the spark in my family and, and, you know, show them what's possible and inspire them and be a positive energy for them in hopes that, you know, my brother can rub off some of that energy can rub off on my brother and, you know, I really believe that you can't help other people if you're not at your best self. And so if I'm at my best, I could be a bigger service to my brother and my mom and my dad and extend that out to friends and family in the community. And I mean, I'm here in South Africa, literally in communities, helping people with their goals and have a better life. And I honestly don't think that might not have happened if that's not the family dynamic I grew up in. 100%. That's that's beautiful. Well stated. I'm curious on the personal development piece, right? You mentioned that a couple of times. And, you know, when you first started to go down that path and you started to, you know, have your eyes sort of open to other possibilities, did you find yourself immediately receptive of taking that information in and maybe doing a course? Or did you feel like, you know, what, this is probably for other people. This is something that I need to resist. <laughs> I actually... You know what? I I actually was ready for it. I think there's something like, you know, that said to be about timing, but I was I was like inwardly searching for something. I wasn't fulfilled. I was like I was generally a happy person. You know, I at the time I was working um, you know, in the restaurant industry. I was uh, I had a, I was working in franchises. I was actually working with Jugo Juice, running about 20 stores. And I was like, what is this? Like, is this what my life is all going to be about? You know, and I had, um, you know, like I said, I was going through some soul searching and some questioning. And I was about 30 at the time. And I was like, there's got to be something, you know, bigger than this and more fulfilling. So I was I was ready for it. And when my friend introduced it to me, something just resonated. And, you know, I just, I believe in that gut feeling when you get the little, you know, goosebumpies in your gut kind of says something like, you know what, this, I think this is something that you should do. And so I just signed up right away and I jumped in. And so that I was really keen on. Now, when I was actually in the courses, taking some of them, um, it was so outside my comfort zone. 
I mean, I had never done anything like this before. I'd never shared, like, are you kidding me to share about anything that was going on inside my family, inside myself, all of the vulnerable things that you want to keep tight. Like that was not something that um, I had ever done or had wanted to do. So that was uncomfortable and that took some time and that took some patience and that took some practice. Yet over time, I've learned that, you know, being vulnerable is actually a strength and sharing can inspire other people and um, that, you know, it builds my confidence and my worth and my belief in myself every time I do so. That did not definitely did not happen overnight, though. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned something key, I think, uh, for me as well. You talk about vulnerability becoming a strength. I'm wondering if you could elaborate on what you mean by that, because I think a lot of people, when they hear the word vulnerable, they think they think weak, like open to attack sort of a thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just I and it comes down to, I guess, to me to just being real you know, and I think the more real that people are, the more people can relate. And so many people, including myself and so many people I know, you know, go through life like protecting, you know, what in our life isn't working or protecting what we're struggling with. And I mean, this could open up a whole conversation around mental health and depression and I mean, bringing it back to addiction. And when we don't, I feel that if we are in a society or in a family or just within ourselves, don't feel like we have an environment that we can open and honestly share in. Um, It doesn't produce anything great, you know, and most of the time based on how we're raised, based on society, based on so many factors, you know, it's, it's always kind of been in the past before I took personal development. It was like, it wasn't cool to share, right? It's like, Hey, keep your problems to yourself. Right. Right. (laughs) It's kind of been like, keep your problems to yourself. Nobody needs to hear that. Right. (laughs) And I don't believe in being somebody who's always, you know, sharing from a space of going back to fear, like victim or persecution, like sharing, being that person yet. I mean, like just being real, you know, like being real with people. And, you know, if someone says like, how are you doing? And you're not fine saying, Hey, you know what? Not too great today. And, you know, and, and just being able to come from a space of, you know, realness so that you can shift and you can change and you can grow and you can get to a space where you are great. And, and I, I believe that when we're willing to share our stories, so many people in the room could put up their hand and say, me too. That's how I feel. I've gone through that. And, and through that, it allows people to work through their stuff so they can get to the other side. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the more open and honest we can be, the more open and honest we empower others to be for sure. And I'm curious, like, you know, I've spent some time like you, you know, cross border in some different countries. I've spent some time in in your home country, obviously. And you kind of brought this idea of repression and, you know, not to get too political, but it seems like, you know, in today's world, there's a lot of, you know, taboos of what you can and can't say, how you should and shouldn't interact with people, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And everybody's running around trying to win the gold medal in the oppression Olympics. Right. But at the end of the day, you've got. Um, the personal development world, which comes along and says, you know, look, Kelly, you said you wanted this thing over here. I need to be honest with you about what you're doing and how you're showing up. And honestly, this is shit, right? And you need to hear that this is shit and you need to change something, you know? So how do you reconcile those two things? And, um, you know, like what has been your experience when you open people's eyes to like giving them, you know, honest feedback, but also, or, or not just sharing your story, but giving them honest feedback about how they're showing up in the world? Well, I think that, you know, before you can give anybody honest feedback, there has to be some trust, trust and credibility built within the boundaries of the relationship, you know, and I'm a big believer of not giving my opinion unless it's coming from a great space or it's because I, I have that best, that person's best interest at heart. Um, You know, being that my passion is goal setting and and helping people get what they want. um, You know, I'm here in South Africa and building a direct sales business. That's what's actually led me here. Um, and all day long, literally what I do is I meet with people and I talk to them about what they want and why they want it. And also in this industry that I'm in, it's very common that a lot of people look me in the eye and tell me what they want and that they're willing to do it. And then the next day they're gone. Right. Mm -hmm. I I like to call it, they've gone into the witness protection program. (laughs) I'm like, where'd that person go? You know, they're not even asking my phone call anymore. They just told me their life's desires, you know? So (laughs) I, I am faced with that actually every single day. And it's, it's, it's hard for me personally because I care so much about people when they tell me the things that they want. I feel that it's my duty to help them get it no matter what. And that comes sometimes with giving 
you know, the ability to provide feedback with people and not always be the one who's liked. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like that difference. You know, it's like, do you want to be liked or do you want to be respected? And I have to say, to be honest, I grew up most of my life wanting to be liked, like caring what people think. And I don't want to say the wrong thing. And what if I say something and they don't like me? And a lot of my choices that I made in life was because I wanted to be liked. Right. And for me, I've learned the value that being respected is so much more powerful. And, and, and so in my role, I believe that if somebody tells me what they want, that's it. Like once you've told me what you want, I'm only going to help you get that. And a lot <laughs> of times that comes with providing feedback yet there's got to be a relationship of trust and credibility there and also a way to deliver it such that it's not um, persecutory or it's like, you're this kind of person, you know, and, and, and how I do that is like, Hey, are you open to some feedback? And what I'm experiencing is this and the person can take it or leave it. But I believe in giving feedback to people and I, I want feedback back from my friends and my family. I don't want opinions. I don't want like, you know, there's a difference between, feedback and helping somebody get what they want. And there's difference from opinions from a fear-based, you know, perspective of somebody who's wanting to keep you safe. There's like a massive difference there, you know? And, and so I also believe in, you know, um, who's giving the feedback and to listen to people who have what you want and who you surround yourself with for me is key. And so I will take feedback from people all day long who have the things that I desire because they have it. So there's something to be learned there. Mm -hmm. People who don't have what I want necessarily, I don't really listen to their feedback. Oh, this is, this is a great conversation. We can go hours on this one, but I'm curious. I want to ask you, <laughs> you know, like, uh, coming from being like people pleaser, right. Um, or, you know, shedding this mm-hmm. identity of being a people pleaser, right. It's like the old saying goes, right. If you want to be well-liked, you need to sell ice cream kind of a thing. But, um, you know, when you start give people feedback, you know, you can see, even if you have a good relationship, a lot of times you can just watch them shut down. You can watch them sort of deal with the emotional turmoil happening inside their head. Right. And I'm wondering if in the course of working with your people in the direct sales industry, you know, how do you handle that when you see someone shutting down, right? When you, when you can literally watch someone, you know, you can feel the energy in the room change. How do you deal with that? Well, you know, for me, I believe it's always just bringing it back to what do they want, right? I think when you make it about the person and you help other people get what they want, that's what, you know, you and I know the, the, this term of what's called enrollment is how do I get what I want by helping other one get somebody else get what they want too by, by their needs being met. And so number one is, you know, always bringing it back to what people want. You know, if people are going sideways or they're shutting down or they're going into resistance or they're, um, you know, going backwards or their mindset's going limited, it's, it's because something's going on, they're stuck. And, and for me, it's like when you bring it back to what do you want and why do you want it? And then you work with people. It's about investing in people. It's not just about telling people what to do, you know, it's about doing it with them. And mm-hmm. it's, in, it's about investing in people and helping them take the steps, helping them have some awareness, having those conversations. And once again, it always comes back to relationships and that cliched conversation. Uh, what's that quote? Like people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Right. Like, you know, I, I believe that if somebody has my best interest at heart and they're helping me get what they want, they can say anything to me then. Because it's coming from a space of, of being about me getting what I want. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I guess a, a deeper question would be, at what point do you draw the line, though, right? Because there's a certain time and place where you feel like, or maybe you have, maybe you don't feel like, maybe it's just factually factually true that you've invested everything that you possibly can, you've given all that you possibly can, and you still don't see that person moving toward what they want. But you know as well as I do, that you cannot do it for them, right? At some point, they have to motivate themselves Mm -hmm. to move toward the thing that they want to create. You know, for you personally, in in dealing with lots of people in the direct sales world, you know, at what point do you draw the line? I think a lot of distributors could probably benefit from, you know, from your knowledge around that topic. It's such a good question because it's (laughs) the one thing that I've struggled with the most in the business. (laughs) Um, you know, and, and having a, having a direct sales and been doing it for a long time and being that I'm my, I'm all about relationships, right? Like that's my personality is that, you know, I, I really care about people and, and the danger sometimes is that we care more about people's goals than they care about it for themselves mm-hmm. in that moment or in that time. And, you know, at, and then at the end of the day too, it's a business. Right. And so it's like putting my business hat on, putting my relationship hat on, putting both on. It's like, Sometimes there isn't a right answer yet. You know, in the direct sales industry, just like anything else, 
it, it really is, you know, uh, 20% of the people are going to do 80% of the work. Right. 20% of the people are going to get you 80% of the results. So when I look at my overall organization and all of the volume and where all my, let's say, money is coming from, it's from 20% of the leaders. It's mm-hmm. not from everybody equally, right? And in the direct sales industry, a lot of people participate because they want to have a sense of belonging. It's because they like the community, they like the feel, they like the personal development, they like the friendship, they like the camaraderie, yet most of the people aren't willing to do the work to get what they want. And this isn't just in direct sales, this is in just life in general. If you take a look at any industry, like you work, you are in the health industry, I'm sure you see it, that like 20% of the people there are really willing to crush it and do whatever it takes and the other 80% are just kind of there because it feels good, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like you can you can relate that to almost anything and And this is where, for me, like, there does have to be some kind of boundaries. And I will invest in people 100% of of my efforts if they're willing to invest in themselves. Mm -hmm. And that looks like showing up. That looks like, that doesn't look like they're getting the results. You know, it looks like they're showing up. It looks like they're participating. It looks like they're attending events. They're on the calls. They're, they're asking me for consultation. They're, they're wanting, they're coachable. You know, they're coachable, they're eager, um, and and they're willing to sacrifice. That's actually, a, that's a massive one. And, you know, I was having this call with one of my team members today, <laughs> coaching one of my leaders because she wanted some people to come to an event. And, and she's like, oh, they, I don't think they're going to be able to come because they don't have a ride home and they don't have money for gas and yada, 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 right? And I was like, okay. I said, so what did you say? And she said, I just said, oh, that was, that's okay. And so I coached her around this idea of to um, when you're a leader, what you want to do is you want to encourage people to do the unreasonable. You mm. want to encourage people to do what's extraordinary, to do what's difficult and demand that of people so that they can either choose to not do it yet yet in the way that we want them to choose to lean into it and actually go above and beyond what they thought they were capable of. And in my business, that's what I look for is people who are willing to do the unreasonable because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are going to persevere. They're the ones who are going to be willing to sacrifice, to gain, you know, the law of sacrifice, being willing to give up something of equal or greater value for something of equal or greater value. And so, you know, for myself, that that's a big lesson that I teach the team is, you know, how do you encourage people to focus on the solutions? How do you encourage people to um, be willing to do whatever it takes? And those are the people that we put our time and effort and energy into, not mm-hmm. the ones that just want to talk to you all the time about why they can't do things and the excuses and justifications. Those people we just kind of funnel into the system. And that's why we have a system. And, you know, in hopes that they're going to grow, in hopes that they're going to have a shift. And when they show up, I'll give them my time and energy. Mm. I love that. Yeah. I mean, in, uh, in the gym business, for example, we, you know, we have some similar systems in place, but one of the things that I tell my partner all the time is, you know, and the people that I work with coaches and trainers is, you know, if, if you step once I'll step twice, right. I just want to see that you're Mm -hmm. moving toward the thing that, that you said you wanted to create, but you know, don't come to me having stepped backwards or not stepped at all and expect to get my time. And I find that a lot of people, yeah. you know, will sort themselves out if you just lay out the ground rules and let them know, you know, look, I have your best interest at heart and I will do, you know, I'll meet you more than halfway, but I have to see motion on your part. And I think probably in your industry, that's, Absolutely. that's pretty evident, you know, pretty quickly. Cause I mean, um, you know, some of the things that you've experienced, I'm sure you go through a lot of people, right. Dealing with the direct sales world, you see a lot of faces, you see a lot of different personalities and there's gotta be some obvious things that you look for, you know, when you're assessing who may or may not be a leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> for sure. You know, and uh, you know, what would I look for in leadership? I mean, for, for one, I just look for people who are coachable, you know, because in the direct sales industry, you know, the people that I want to work with are people to, and this is, this is my biggest belief, you know, well, it's not my biggest belief. It's, it's just one of the beliefs I have <laughs> is that I, I look for people who are already inspired because I think one of the downfalls people have in the direct sales industry is they think that they can take anybody and make them a leader, mm. you know, and those people are extremely far and few between. Those are like the diamonds in the rough, you know, 
And so I look for people who are already in leadership roles or exuding leadership in areas of their life. And those are the people that I want to have in on my team, because I believe that people are, are either internally inspired or you have to externally motivate them. And, and motivating people is exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so truly, truly, it's, right? it's horrible. Yeah. It's exhausting, you know. And, and I can tell you for the first few years of my business, I came from the space of, oh, my gosh, I've got a, a warm body in front of me who says they want something. I'm going to help them get what they want and I'm going to motivate them and I'm going to work with them and I'm going to help and I'm going to turn them into a leader. Mm-hmm. And I, I really kind of believe people are leaders or they're not, you know, and it, can it be developed and can they grow into leadership? Yes. Yet there's, there's, I, you got to kind of look for something that already shows that they're a leader. They show up that way such that they're internally inspired, you know, and I don't care if you are the caretaker or the CEO of a company. It's like, how do you choose to show up in your life? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. And, you know, I can tell you if for me, it's about people who keep their word. It's as simple as, Oh, you want to look at the business and you want to learn more. Great. Can you do a call tomorrow too? And they say, yes. And that they actually call me and they show up and they're on time. Mm-hmm. You know, I could tell you two or three calls in if somebody's going to make it or not almost sometimes <laughs> because, you know, they're late. They're not on the call. They've got all their excuses. And I usually don't give my time to those people. Right. Right. It's so it's so limiting. Right. Like when you have, you know, just one life to live and you have things that you want to create at the same time, you have people who are sort of sticking their hand up and saying, you know what? Hey, you know what? I'm worthy of your time you know, or I'm, I've earned your time, you know, give me a little time. It feels good to give those people your time. And then the contrast to that is it feels terrible when you give someone your time that really hasn't earned it because it feels like you've been taken advantage of in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a bit of a gray area too, right? Because it's like at the end of the, at sometimes too, you, you know, you think someone's going to be a star and they're not, and you think someone, you're not sure what they're going to do and they become a star. And, you know, I do believe in investing in everybody. And my motto is I will invest in who shows up. Mm-hmm. That's my motto. I'm like, if you show up, I will invest in you, you know, and, and then I will demand, you know, um, big things from you because you're capable and I want you to grow. And I'm sure that most people in our, in their, you know, a lot of people who show up in direct sales or any, anywhere, right? Like, do they have family and friends demanding greatness from them? Mm-hmm. Some do, some don't, some, you know, and it's like, I want to be that person for people. Yeah. And, and for me, that's how I'm going to get what I want in business as well, is I want to surround myself with a group of people who are willing to do what it takes, who are demanding greatness of themselves, not, not perfection, you know, but like, it's like they're willing to dive in there and take risks. They're coachable and uh, they show up and they do what they say they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a lot of the conversations that we've had uh, thus far have been around, you know, uh, enrollment, as you mentioned earlier, getting people to, you know, getting people to, uh, to chase after the things that they want for their reasons, you know, and, you know, you tied that back to really reminding them of what they say they want or what they want. Right. And having done quite a bit of work on this myself, you know, I've sat down on numerous occasions and I'm sure you've done this as well. You sat down and you, you really put some time, energy and effort into creating a vision for what you want to create, whether it's a a year out, a month out, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever the time period may be. And I, I find myself a lot of times waiting for lightning to strike. Like I'm just sitting there, like something hit me strong that I'm just going to know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm going to feel great about it. And the planets are going to line up and the angels are going to sing and I'm just going to feel fantastic. Right. But that's never happened for me. And I'm curious if uh, your experience is similar. Like when you're coming to that question and when you're working with people who are coming to that question, what does that look like for you in terms of execution? How does it how does it manifest itself in your life when you decide or, or pick an idea of what you want to go after? Um, you know, I, I think like for me, I, I, I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm ever really going to know specifically with such clarity exactly how I want my life to play out. Um, I just believe that, you know, sitting around and thinking about it in theory definitely isn't going to bring me the answer, <laughs> you know? And so, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I was, I was listening to Gary Vee or somebody the other day and, and the, the question that one of the kids asked was like, how do you find out what you're passionate about? And he's like, you just go and do shit, you know, <laughs> like just go and do stuff. 
He's like, and then you'll figure out, nope, don't like that. Nope, like that. Hey, that was pretty cool. Maybe I'll do more of that, you know? And it's like, and so I, I believe that there's so much truth in that, you know? And, and so there is also that, that space though of, it's like, what are you doing stuff for? Like, what are you working towards? And, and yeah, I've sat down and I've written out my vision. I'm actually staring at like a crayon vision board that I've drawn myself and it's slapped on my wall, you know? And and the thing is, I'm looking at this vision that I created for myself that's on my wall. And if you would have asked me my vision a few years ago, it wasn't as clear as it is now. Yet it's because I'm constantly asking myself the questions. And I think that's one of the key factors is like I'm asking myself, what do I want? Where do I want to be in five years? What do I love to do? What do I want with my health? What do I want in my relationships? What kind of relationships do I want with my parents and my brother? What kind of relationship do I want with my significant other? Where do we want to be living? You know, what uh, what do we want to be doing with communities and giving back? And what's the career I want to be doing? And it's like, I'm asking myself those questions every single day, mm. you know, mm. and then I'm being open to where my mind takes me and um, and I think that's a big piece is to allow yourself to ask yourself the questions, you know, and, and when you start doing that, you start to gain clarity. And I knew, you know, eight years ago, I started this journey, for exa- example, with direct sales. And I can tell you, I have failed miserably for a lot of those years, yet I was in action the entire time. And, and what's happened is a snowball effect has started to occur because I just said I was going to do it. And then I just started plugging in and taking a step and taking a step and showing up and attending events. And, and next thing you know, you know, things are like happening, like the market of South, South America is opening up and Chile opens. And I'm like, Hey, I love travel. I'm going to go. Actually, before that, I went to Vietnam, then Indonesia. And then it's like Chile opens up and I'm like, I'm going to go because of all the courage and confidence and, you know, the vision I'd built for myself through a few years of just taking steps and asking myself those questions. Where am I going with this? Why do I want to do it? How is it going to impact my life? And I ended up in Chile three years ago and I have a boyfriend who was traveling in, in South Africa. He's African, but he lives in Calgary and I was not making it happen in Chile. And I said, now what, what am I going to do? And I said, I'm going to go to South Africa. And I hopped on a plane by myself, came to South Africa with one bag and ended up in South Africa and stayed here for five months. And over the next, last three years, I've built a big business here back and forth. But I never would have been in South Africa if I just didn't take those original steps eight years ago and continued on the journey of taking the steps and asking myself the questions. And in hindsight, that's why they say hindsight 2020, like, and then, you know, being in Chile, developing the courage and the skills to be in a foreign country by myself, to, you know, have that kind of risk factor going on, allowed me to come to South Africa. And I'm here now and my business is exploding. Like, it's exploding. Uh, and it's because of all of the steps I took previously that have given me the skills, the knowledge, the courage, the, the understanding, the, the self-identity and awareness. Yet it's it's like, and now my vision is even grown even bigger. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like you kind of step into your vision, you grow into your vision and it's not going to happen sitting on the couch. You right. know, it's not going to happen, you know, in theory, it's not going to happen by focusing on what you can't do and what's not possible and all the excuses and justifications and limitations. hundred percent. And so I don't know, that was a long answer to your question. Sorry. <laughs> no, that was fantastic. I, I love it. You're getting fired up, man. That's what we want, right? Yeah. I'm getting fired up. You getting got fired, me all fired up. up. That's right. We're gonna keep you up all night. Yeah. No, it's fantastic because I think what you just said right there proves, uh, or kind of provides proof to one of the points I make to people all the time, and that is that you know the vast majority of people behave as if they're rooted to the ground. You know, it's like, you know, here's my circumstance, here's my situation, here's the town I live in, here's the relationship and the job that I have, and I am a tree and I cannot leave. And I'm like, bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, you are not a tree. Stop behaving as if you can't leave those circumstances. And here you are. Mm -hmm. You've gone to multiple countries, traveled across the world, basically, to go after the thing that you said you wanted to create, which to me is just fucking amazing because I don't feel like a lot of people would have the wherewithal to do that. And so I'm wondering, as you tell me the story, you know, what those decisions were like. Did you ever, you know, doubt those decisions or did you ever want to go back once you got there or were you just all in from the get go? Um, I absolutely doubted them yet. I never questioned if it was the right, like once I made the decision, that was it yet. I had doubt creep in for a few reasons, you know, um, going back to, um, 
family, they don't really support me being here. You know, this is way outside their comfort zone. My family actually has never really supported my network marketing business, Mm -hmm. once again, because it's outside their comfort zone. So a lot of other people's opinions of what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You know, is this the right thing? And other people's fears, because this is a very outside the box thing that I'm doing (laughs) for a lot of people. Um, And so I really had to put the blinders on and not let the noise of other people's fears and opinions get to me who are very close to me, friends and family, you know, but then on the flip side, I had so many people encouraging me and so many people saying, that's amazing. Go for it. Go after your goal. And so it's, it come for me, it came down to once I made the decision who I chose to listen to, I had to create some boundaries around who I gave my time and energy to because it was a big decision. It was very scary for me. I mean, it's not easy to be a female and pack up and move to South Africa in this country You know, it's amazing here. It's beautiful. The people are awesome, but it is a part of what everybody hears. It's a bit dangerous. You know, I'm meeting strangers all day long. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, you know, you, I've never questioned the decision if it was what I wanted. Sometimes I've questioned my ability, you know, and I've doubted, you know, my ability just based on, you know, my journey thus far, because when I came here, it's not like I was very successful when I got here. It's not like I created success and I came here. I was in the struggle. I'd been doing the business for five years and hadn't created the result. I'd seen, I'd seen, you know, success, but not at all, you know, worthy of moving here, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I just, I just, I just knew, I don't know. It was one of those gut things again, where I was like, something's got to change. And if not now, when, and what, what's, you know, why, why not? Like we live one life and I'm like, no decision has to be final by the way. So I'm here and it doesn't work out. Then I just go home. You know, I regroup. It's okay. At least I'm not second guessing or woulda, coulda, shoulda and all those things. So yeah, I've had fear and doubt, but I've just, I've chosen to surround myself with people that empower me and lift me up and encourage me. I've set some boundaries with those people who don't quite agree with what I'm doing. And then every day I focus on why I'm doing it and what I'm here for and the impact it's having. And I work on my mindset every single day. I read, I listen to audio I I do all of those pieces of the puzzle with the mindset to support myself in believing in myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering, you know, I mean, you've you've been to more countries than I haven't, but I have this idea, you know, obviously it's unfounded because I haven't been everywhere, but I, I have this idea <laughs> that people are basically the same no matter where you go. And, you know, I think one of the things that people struggle with mightily is just the ability to make a decision and stick with it for a long period of time. And, you know, as I'm listening to your story, mm-hmm. you're telling, you're basically telling me that's what you did. You made a decision, you know, which if we look at the root of that word means to cut off from. So you cut off a different possibility and you followed this thing come hell or high water. And I'm wondering as you've traveled and met different people and talked to them about business and what they wanted to create, you know, I'm wondering what you're seeing in, in terms of them struggling to make decisions. Yeah. And I love that you say it's to cut off because I agree with you hundred percent. My version of decision is death to all other options. I love that. <laughs> it's like, just make, I'm stealing just that by the decision. way. Yeah. Like, yeah. Steal it. Steal it. Death to all other options. Right. Uh, I could have doubt and waver and good days and bad days in after the decision, but once the decision's made, that's it. And, and, um, and yeah. And, and, and I mean, it's been the biggest blessing in my life, this decision that I made, because I have literally met the most amazing people on my journey. I have got to experience a life that most people don't get to. I've traveled the world. I've had adventure and fun. I mean, I'm sitting in South Africa, you know, I've been on safaris. I'm, I just was looking at which marathon I'm going to run, which is down the street that Nelson Mandela's house is on, you know, like these are like such cool things, you know, and, and, and I think the commonality of all of it is the people and that we are all so similar. And, you know, being here in South Africa has been extremely like heartfelt for me because, I mean, the apartheid just ended here 20 some years ago. Like yeah. it's so fresh. And, you know, watching this country attempt to come together in unity in out of that situation has been just such an eye opener for myself. And at the end of the day, though, every single person that I talked to here or whether I was in Chile or Vietnam, when you can't even speak the language and you got a translator and it's like, you know, um, Indonesia, throughout the States, I mean, everywhere I've gone, people just wanted, it's like, it's tr- just the truth that you think people just want to be happy. They just want to feel loved. They want to be listened and heard. They want to have great relationships. They want to be financially okay. They want to take care of their families. 
they have a desire for travel and freedom and um, experiences. And I mean, ever I talk to people all day long about what they want. And in at the end of the day, it's just a different version of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you know, amazing. and and humans are just humans, and and uh, I think that's the coolest part. That's been my biggest biggest blessing of this entire thing is all the stories of all the people that I've met, and uh, it's just it's just been so amazing. So tell me, uh, what is the state of opportunity that you're seeing over in uh, South Africa? You know, there's a lot of economic theory that points to, you know, out of chaos comes tremendous opportunity. And I know like here in the Western world, you know, a lot of people are just fat and happy, pretty much, you know, they pretty much have everything that they want or most of the things that they want and all of the things that they need. So, you know, as you're going and you're dealing with people and doing business in these areas that are experiencing or have experienced some turmoil, you know, how are people responding to uh, the idea of growing a business? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And, and I didn't actually answer your question about the decision thing, but I find that most of the people here, the, the, what they struggle with with making a decision is the exact same thing that everybody else does, which is limiting belief. Mm-hmm. You know, can I do it? Can I do it? Limiting belief. That's like the biggest factor I feel in decision making, right, is people's belief in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference here, you know, in South Africa or Chile or where I've been, where the the businesses are booming, which doesn't kind of make sense, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, it's the hunger and it's the drive. And so here in South Africa, for example, I really believe they have a higher business IQ than a lot of other countries out of out of chaos and out of necessity where almost everybody here has a second, third or fourth job or second or third or fourth side hustle. Mm. Um, because they have to, because mm-hmm. they have to, um, you know, and, but what that instills in people is work ethic, tenacity, like perseverance, um, you know, working, they, they don't work eight hours and go home and watch TV and hang out with a the family. They don't have the novelty to do that half the time, you know? And so I just find in some of these economies in some of these countries that I've been in where, you know, I was talking to the security guy, who, who works on the street here that where I live and he, and they make 150 bucks a month. Mm, wow. You know, they make 150 bucks a month and he's here every day with the biggest smile on his face, like the happiest guy, I swear to God. Mm. Um, so I think that one, they really understand that the value of that, like they value money, but not the way, you know, I, I experienced in Canada or the U S right. They don't, they don't look at money as happiness. You know, money pro- is something that provides necessities mm-hmm. and, And so here, you know, when it comes to business, when you come in with an opportunity of something that can help them get what they want, um, they seize it, like they seize it because they're not comfortable. And I really struggled to build my business in Canada. And I I, I know this is, we're speaking a little bit of cliches, you know, in different countries and things, but like, you know, I feel like in Canada, you get paid to be unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) You do. (laughs) You know, it's like, what, what the heck? Why do you need to go get a, a side hustle or a second job? Or why do you have to work harder than your neighbor? Like you don't have to, you get paid to be unemployed. Yeah. Like it breeds laziness. It breeds a mindset of comfort. It breeds a mindset of, I don't have to do the extra. And so I find in these countries, you know, when people see an opportunity, they, they seize it and they run with it and they get there. And the other piece is they're so family oriented. Like, it's not like, I'm going to keep this to myself and not share the secret. It's like, oh my gosh, this is great. I'm going to share it with my aunt, my uncle, my sister, my brother, my neighbor. It's like, let's help everybody. They have this community of like, you know, let's help everybody get ahead, especially if I've found something that is going to do that. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. We've definitely started to incentivize the wrong behaviors here and, you know, paying people to do nothing is one of them, unfortunately. I'm wondering, um, you know, now that you've spent some time there and you've had uh, the opportunity to start growing and building your business, what are some of the biggest obstacles you faced in terms of growth? Um, well, this is going to sound funny uh, and random, yet, I mean, there's a few, but in all honesty, the biggest one has been funerals. Funerals, And I'm not really? even kidding. Okay. Funerals. I got to hear yet, this story. It'll make sense. Yeah, it's been funerals. But it'll make sense when I share it because, you know, here in South Africa, you know, the, I mean, the rich are rich and the poor are poor yet. um, I swear to God, like there's always somebody dying and they're dying from HIV. Um, You know, I have a few people on my team who are HIV. They say like one in four people in Africa have it. Mm. So they're dying from HIV. 
they're dying early, like in their 60s, because they just haven't had the opportunity to have nutrition, spend the money on nutrition, um, you know, eat good fruits and vegetables, uh, exercise, focus on their health due to stress, things like that. So, um, you know, people are dying. Um, I mean, I've had people who have had family members shot and killed. I mean, like the crime here is a little bit crazy. Um, And then just random things, car accidents. Like, so because of what the economy is going through and because of what people face here, there is so much death. Mm. And I have never been in a country before where I've experienced that. And I'm not kidding you, more than not, than often, people cannot come to events or go into their business because there's deaths in the family. Wow. It is like, it is the biggest obstacle. That's amazing to me. I never would have guessed that. Yeah. It, I, well, and I, it's the first time I've experienced it, you know, um, and it is crazy and it's, it's a bit sad, but on the flip side, I'm really grateful to be here because I feel like what we're doing is breathing life, you know, into the situation and I'm promoting health and wellness and I'm promoting financial security and helping people have a better life. And, you know, so I think that's, that's, uh, you know, the blessing of why I'm here, you know, is to be the opposite of that. And so that would be the biggest obstacle, which is crazy, right? That is crazy. Um, yeah. You know, and then another one, I'm building my business through social media. And the other, the other biggest obstacle is data. People don't have money the, for data. They don't have money for their cell phones. They don't have money for those things that sometimes we just take for granted. Mm-hmm. And to get a hold of people and to help them build their business is hard because they don't have the money to even have a 15 minute phone call um, and data for the phone. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing what we take for granted in the West. Mm-hmm. So I guess the next question to that would be, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that salespeople make the, make the world go around. I mean, nothing happens until someone sells something, whether it's a product service or idea. And, you know, if, if people are looking to get into that world and to start to make a change in their life, you know, what would be probably the best piece of advice you could give to someone? That, you know, going back to sales, you know, because network marketing, sales, being through all those things, you know, um, I know I struggled with this, that I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I don't want people to think I'm a salesman or uh, I'm going to sell and make money for it. What are people going to think? And I think a lot of people struggle with sales because of self-worth or a lot of people do sales very ineffectively because they make it all about them. And I honestly believe that the best advice I can give from a sales perspective is that if you, it comes back to enrollment, Jason, like if you help, so enrollment is um, getting people to do what I want them to do for their reasons. So as a salesperson, I want them to buy my products, join my business, you know, use me as a provider, yet it has to be for their reasons. It has to be for their reasons. And if you could master the skill of learning how to find out what people's reasons are and sell them whatever it is that you have based on that person's reasons, then you will be the best salesman. I honestly really believe that. Mm-hmm. And how do you go about doing that? I mean, I'm a firm believer that, you know, uh, the better part of sales is educating people. And then once you learn a little bit about, you know, their needs, their wants, their desires, you offer a solution. You're not really pounding them over the head saying, Hey, buy this, buy this, buy this. So, you know, in your business, exactly. how do you go about getting at that? Um, it's something I like to call a meaningful conversation. So once again, it's about relationship, you know, um, it's about connecting with people and not, not pitching your idea, making it about you. I call it puking the business all over people. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, don't do that. Um, you know, inviting people to have a conversation, one where they know what the agenda is. I, I, I think there's nothing worse than somebody saying, Hey, do you want to go for coffee? And then you go and they're trying to pitch you their business or their product. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the worst, you know, don't be that person. And, and I think so it's, it's a meaningful conversation where one, the person knows what the agenda is. They know that you're getting together to learn about either a product or a service or a business. And then it's, um, you know, complimenting the person. And it's like, why are you wanting to connect with them? You know, um, what makes them special? And then it's, it's the, it's that piece of the conversation where it's finding out what their needs are um, in a way of, I like to call it a fact feel find. So it's like, like, you know, if I was sitting with you, I would say like, Jason, like, tell me about you, 
you know, what do you, what do you do right now? Like, why do you do that? Like, why, what, tell me what you love about it. What don't you love about it? You know, where are you at in your life with some goals? What are you working on? Tell me about your health. Tell me about your relationships. And like, I'm going to spend some time getting to know you and letting you empty your cup on what matters to you to find out what's working in your life and, and where you're struggling or where you don't have the things that you desire or what you're looking for. And I'm going to be a really good listener. And I'm, and I'm going to like really listen for what your needs are in between the lines. It's like contextually listening so that I can present the solution of what I have to offer that matches your needs. And so I call it a meaningful conversation, but it's, it's about being patient and taking the time to actually have the conversation and not go into a meeting or a, a call, you know, expecting to pitch somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't even like that word pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like, just talk to people, you know, let them tell you what they need. And then you just provide the solution. Right. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I say that's it. Like it sounds simple, but it's like I've practiced that conversation thousands. Of, and then <laughs> here would be my second piece of the puzzle. Practice that over and over and over and over again and develop the skill. Right. Right. That's beautiful. So at this point in your career, you know, how are you defining success? What will that look like for, for you? You know what, for me and from my business perspective, it would be that I'm, I'm just, everybody on my team is getting what they want. Like for me, success really is about helping other people get what they want. And then I get what I want from that, you know, and, and investing in people. So I mean, that's a big piece of it. And then it's also the, the ability to have, you know, I used to always have this saying that, or I used to always like struggle with like saying, I want to have money or I want to be rich. And I heard this lady one time say from stage at an event, I was like, she's like, listen, you can't help the poor by being one of them. Right. And I was like, Oh my God. And uh, it's just, it's always <laughs> stuck with me. And so, you know, it's like, I, I do want to have, uh, you know, income and I want to make money. And I want to be able to travel the world with my boyfriend and, and build our business together globally. And, and I want to have choice. Like I, 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 I want to be able to choose what I want to do and not make decisions based on, can I afford it? Mm-hmm. That, that to me is when I've reached the ultimate success is when I'm just choosing what I want to do because I want to do it. Not because the conversation of, can I afford it? Do I have the money? Um, so like, that's my idea of financial success. And, and then that it's residual and it's coming in and it's generational because for me, it's not about the money. It's about, you know, what it allows me to be able to do. And, and I just, I love working in communities and giving back. And I want the time freedom to be able to do that where it's like my money piece is done. You know, I'm not, I'm not thinking about myself. I'm not worrying about myself. It's done. And then, then I can go truly be of service to other people mm-hmm. and discover like what the next chapter of my life is going to be. Oh yeah, for sure. I, and it's so funny that you bring that up. I think every conference or sales event I've ever been to, there's always someone who gets up and says, "Yeah, the best way to help the poor is to not be one of them." You know, and it's like the crowd goes wild, and it's like, but it's true. Like it's so true. I mean, how many people are you going to help when you don't have resources to help people? And I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean the, mm-hmm. the resource has to be money. It could be time. It could be you know a, a various. It could be various things. But at the end of the day, having the ability to choose that is, is massive. And that's really what wealth is. And I love Mm -hmm. the way that you frame that. And, um, you know, so going into sort of the last part of the conversation, let's let everyone know how Mm -hmm. they can get in touch with you, because I know a lot of people are going to want to have questions and probably want to reach out to you. So what's the best way to get in touch with Kelly beverage? Oh, I love that. And thank you. And I would love that because, you know, I really believe a big part of my identity is the connector being a connector and, you know, I, I'm also a big believer that if, if what I have to offer from people from a space of business isn't a fit for that person, great. It's like, I can still be of service. Like, what do you do? Tell me about you. And that's the beauty of learning about others. And if we all operate in that way of like, hey, like, how can I be of service to you? And it might not be what I have to offer, yet I can connect you to other people. I, I just want to put that that in there because I love that. I'm always connecting people. I really do love to get to know about people and, and, you know, connect people so that they can get their needs met. Um, even if it's not with myself or my business or through my story. Um, yet if people do want to get a hold of me, the best way is Facebook. I, I right now am, you know, teaching people to make money through social media and that's, that's how I'm leading with my business. So I'm on Facebook all the time. Um, my Facebook name is Kelly beverage, um, K E L L E Y beverage, not like the drink, <laughs> B-E-V-E-R-I-D-G-E. 
Um, you'll see that it says I'm from Calgary living in Johannesburg. Um, so that would be the best way. Um, people could also shoot me a, a, a WhatsApp or a text. My phone number is 403-401-2836. And if somebody just wants to chat or somebody wants to pick my brain or somebody wants help with their direct sales business or goal setting or just have a conversation or be friends or a cup of coffee, I'm open. Mm. I love that about you. I appreciate you sharing that. So uh, last question I have for you is simply this. What does wellness mean to you? Peace. That's the first thing that came to mind. Mm. Just, you know, peace, like peace and happiness and, and, you know, waking up in the morning and feeling good, you know, um, when your feet hit the, hit the floor, it's like excited for the day and, and being able to live a long life wellness for me too is quality of life and it's not money you know I mean you can have all the money in the world and if I don't have my health then what's the good of it mm-hmm. and so it's it's physical health it's taking care of the body and it's taking care of the mind having the body and the mind to go along with it and and just you know enjoying the journey I would say that's the last thing is like you know enjoying the journey in that space of wellness um, because you know, life's going to go by pretty quick. I feel the older I get, it's going by pretty <laughs> quick. And, you know, I, I have to, I do have to remind myself to stop and smell the roses because I'm, I'm one of those achievers and a doer and, uh, you know, let's go, go, go. And, and uh, I'm realizing as I get older, that's not necessarily effective. And so to really just be present with people, you know, and, and have peace and, and laughter and enjoyment. Mm, so beautiful. I love the way you worded that. Kelly Beveridge, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I really appreciate you being on. Thank you so much for having me on. And I feel like all I did was talk about myself, which I guess is the point. But I'm like, Jason, <laughs> now I want to know about you. You know, but it's like... <laughs> yeah, that is but the just, point. Really yeah, to learn about you, you for sure. <laughs> Definitely. But I love well, just, that, right? It just points so to the much. fact that, thank- you, that you want to give, right? So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> But thanks. And just just last thing I want to share is just thank you for being inspiring and, you know, creating a community. I know that's a goal of yours and you're doing it. And, you know, and, and that's that's what it's all about. And so just thank you for the contribution that you're making and what you're doing and for giving people a voice and sharing people's stories and showing up every day being of service, too. And thanks for being an amazing husband to my girlfriend, you know, and and that and. I'm so excited for your guys' next adventures too. So just thanks so much. Oh, I appreciate you for saying that. You're making me cry on this end. Tears of joy. And um, I'm sending you all the love <laughs> so and, cool. and life I can over to Johannesburg and hope that you're doing well. And hopefully we can do this again. Um, I really enjoyed uh, picking your brain. I know there's going to be lots of nuggets for people to pick up. So for these, those of you guys uh, paying attention at home and listening to this, be sure and reach out to Kelly if you're interested in what she's up to. And, um, you know, don't be afraid. She's really a genuine person and she will absolutely give you her best. And she is an amazing, amazing energy. So with that said, guys, jump into her world. Take advantage. Kelly Beverage, thank you so much. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing, and by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. And if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.